Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. It's going to be like, I like Mercy Me's song. I can only imagine, amen, how it's going to be. He says, I can only imagine. And the Word of God gives us descriptions of that heaven and how it's going to be. So I pray tonight that we remember as we're busy with our lives and as we're busy with business to remember that one day the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back for His church. Amen. He promised us that in the New Testament. He goes. He said that He goes away to build something for us. Amen. And that He could come back. And take us with him. And I believe what he's saying in that scripture. He's talking about the new Jerusalem. He's going to prepare a place for us. And there's coming a day that the new Jerusalem will come down from heaven. And come on this renovated earth. And God will be with his people. And the people will be with their God. Hallelujah. I want you to think about that right now for a second. I know we got some good carpenters in our in the body of Christ here at New Beginning Fellowship Church. We got some some people that have talent and they can build stuff. But when Jesus said He's going to prepare a place for us, who knows us better than He does, right? Can you imagine what He's preparing you for in that place? The desire of your heart, more than likely your favorite color. I mean, all these things that God knows about us. He's preparing a place for us. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're just not floating through this life and that's it at the grave, but that's just the beginning at that grave. Amen. It's just the beginning a true life. And all the movies and all that Hollywood has to offer and all, this, you know, all the, the special effects that they can do cannot amount to heaven could not amount to what God has created because he is the creator of all things amen and that day might be coming sooner than we think I like to go to the book of Daniel the 12th chapter there's only one uh, verse in there and then we're going to come into the New Testament in the 24th chapter of Matthew and so let's pray tonight Father we ask for your anointing We know that your spirit is anointed and your word is anointed. It's the vessel that needs to be touched by your anointing. Lord, we ask you just to open up these scriptures. Some of them are complicated. There's been many different interpretations of how it's going to be in the end times. And Lord, only you truly know when you're coming. Hallelujah. And as a believer, we are to prepare our hearts and and, and prepare for your coming one day, Lord. If you're coming in this generation, then praise God. 
But if not, praise God anyways, we still know that you're coming. Your promises and your purposes and your plans shall come to pass at the appointed time. But we desire and to look for your return, Lord. For we are of this world, but we're not of this world, Lord. Romans chapter 8, Lord, says that even all creation groaneth for its creator. And we're so thankful, Lord, that we have hope in Jesus who has been resurrected from the dead. And we have hope because he has saved us. He's taken the sting of death out, Lord. He's taken it all out, Lord. And we have eternal life. We're so thankful for that tonight. Remind us through your promises and your scriptures tonight, Lord, that you have not abandoned us, but one day we will be with you. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. So the book of Daniel, just one verse, and I just want to give a quick introduction on the book of Daniel because it's a very interesting book. Has, it, has anybody ever read the whole book of Daniel? I just like, there's just a lot in there. And so we can divide it this way. Okay, the book of Daniel was written in the 6th century by Daniel while in captivity during the Babylonian kingdom then under the Medes and Persians. And these dates were 605 B.C. all the way through 536 B.C. Daniel was uh, was under four different kings in his lifetime, amen? There was four of them that he was under. And God used him mightily during that time. And so the first six chapters deal with Daniel and his friends and even King Nebuchadnezzar, King Darius, the golden image, the lion's den, the handwriting on the wall, amen? These things happened. But the second half of that book gets really interesting, And the second half of Daniel deals with his prophetic visions. Amen. The four great beasts. In other words, the four coming kingdoms. The end of the captivity of Judah. The son of man's eternal kingdom. The one that we desire. That will come to pass permanently. The rise of the Antichrist. And the great spiritual warfare in the heavens. Remember when Daniel fasted 21 days, and remember the angel Gabriel came to us, you know, we heard your prayer on the first day, but the prince of Persia, Persia withstood me. So there was a warfare that was going on in the heavenlies that Michael and Gabriel were fighting against the principalities. And really all that had to do was that, you know, the enemy is a sore loser, And he has been trying from the beginning, from the Tower of Bible till even now, always trying to bring in that rule that God is going to permit him to have one day. But it was in time yet even at that time. And so his principalities was pushed back and they were defeated. It's God that's in control of raising up kingdoms and then bringing them down because he's sovereign and he's all-powerful. And many times we think that he's not in control of the world because we see all the chaos that's going on and all that. But that is a product of the sin nature, the the fallen nature of man. That's the product of that. But God is still in control. So Daniel was used mightily as far as the Lord used him in that paganistic empire as a young man. And then he just went through all that, seeing the visions and everything. And God gave him a lot of information for end-time events. And so we're excited tonight that we're living in a place right now that there's a good possibility we might be starting to see these things to pass. Amen. 
And so the Lord has brought us in such a time as you were born for such a time as this. God already had in his mind that you were going to be born at this certain time in this certain season. And here we are, praise God. It's an exciting time because much has happened in the last couple of years that are just phenomenal that we wouldn't even think of would happen, but they have passed. And we know that there's more to come. So let's go into the book of Daniel, the 12th chapter, verse 4. And Daniel's talking with the angels, and they are giving him some information. But at verse 4, they tell Daniel this, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Okay, so we're going to come back to that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I just wanted to lay that right there. Amen. What was shown to Daniel, and then he was told to seal it up because it wasn't time yet. They even told Daniel, you're going to go to your lot. You're going to go to your grave. And when you're resurrected, you know, things are going to be different. You've done your work, Daniel. Thank you. But this is as far as it's going. Now seal up what God is showing you. And so praise God for that. And so now I would like to go ahead and jump into the 24th chapter of Matthew. And we'll deal with verses 1 through 3 first. And I'm coming out of the ESV. And this, is, this chapter is one of the most complicated chapters when it comes to prophecy. And I have seen it interpreted in many different ways of the combination of, of, of the Jews being involved with it in some parts of these this chapter about the tribulation and then in some verses it seems like it's speaking about the church amen so it's really kind of complicated but yet these things are still going to come to pass Uh, let me use an example like this remember when the lord came to this earth and he was born of a virgin remember he was born in bethlehem and then from there they ended up going back to galilee then they had to go to egypt for a while because herod wanted to do great harm to the child because he figured out that he was born, the, the coming one, the promising one, the deliverer, the Messiah of Israel. And so when he comes back to Galilee and he starts growing up, and then finally when he, they find, started finding out what his true identity is, that he is Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, many were very confused. The Pharisees and all that that knew the scriptures were asking questions. Well, isn't the Messiah supposed to be born in Bethlehem, but yet he is here, you know, up here in Galilee, amen, and Nazareth of all places. And, you know, so they were confused. And he's a poor man's son, a carpenter's son. So how can this be the Messiah that was promised from the Old Testament? So they got a lot of scripture mixed up and they were confused. I say all this to say this right now, that as much as we study end-time events and scriptures, and as much as we feel that we're confident, that we think that this is exactly how it's going to unfold in the last days, God might throw a monkey wrench somewhere in there and say, wow, where did that come from? I didn't expect that. You know, I studied this way, and this is what I believe is going to happen, but this just happened. So I just believe that we need to be flexible, understanding uh, another example, we can look last year with COVID and all the things that we went through as a nation in this world. 
that has never been done in the history of mankind, mankind, where all of the world was just locked down. Think about what I'm telling you. And so you would think that many in the church were yearning, man, could this be it? Could the rapture happen this year? So much has taken place, amen, and people were getting excited. But yet we find ourselves in 2021 as we continue our journey. So I'm just saying that what, I'm, what, what I want to express tonight more than anything else is that our hearts are prepared for his return whenever he uh, he's, uh, sees fit to come. But we are to be looking for his return and yearning for that, that the bride is coming you know, for the groom. I mean, the groom is coming for the bride. And there will be that marriage supper of the Lamb. But until then, we're in this world. And so I just, you know, I believe that last year was a shaking for the world to wake up and say, hey, I want to get the world's attention. And God has permitted certain things to happen last year. And I think those in the church that have awakened, awoke from that, understand the times that we're living in. And that's how much God loves us. He'll do something like that to wake up the church from its slumber and say, it's time to wake up. Matthew chapter 25 speaks of the, remember the the virgins, remember five were wise and five were foolish. Remember? And they said at one point they all fell asleep. They slumbered. But then there was a midnight cry and they all woke up. And five were prepared and five were not. But something happened, that voice that woke them up, and even though it's a parable, it's still a teaching for us as, as, a, as a sign of, of expecting and waiting for his return. But they were all asleep, and all of a sudden, everybody's awake. And see, that's how good God is. He will send warning signs. He will show certain things before his return. And we're going to see that tonight. We're going to see that tonight. So I just want to give a couple of examples What's been on my heart, um, there's so many different ways that we can go with so many scriptures on end-time events, but I just feel led to go here, speak about some things, see how the Lord has promised and warned even them back then and what he, how he delivered them to show his faithfulness to his people. And he is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. He will warn us because he loves us. Remember what he told Abraham? Shall I reveal to you what I'm going to do? Why? Because the Bible said he called Abraham friend. Amen. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Abraham had relationship with Jehovah God. And if we are in relationship with him, then he will surely warn us of things to come. Amen. Praise God. So let's get into it. Matthew chapter 24, verse 1, dealing with end-time events and even the times of Jesus. It says, Jesus left the temple, was going away, and when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple, but he answered in verse 2, You see all these things, do you not? All these. Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Amen. This is what Jesus told them. The disciples were boasting about the temple and showing the greatness and the splendor of this temple and saying, look at it, Jesus. Amen. This is the earmark of Israel. Amen. This is, this is, this is the proud 
building of them saying that they are in covenant with God. And yet Jesus throws something at them that was so phenomenal, they couldn't believe what they heard. That not one stone would be upon another. And so this is said, and so from there, they go away from the temple and they go up to the Mount of Olives. And they continue to talk there about these certain things. Now, I want to focus on this just a little bit about this one stone be not left upon another. They will all be thrown down. We know that Jesus was predicting the day that when the Roman General Titus and his army would come in 70 AD and literally destroy the city of Jerusalem and the temple. But I want to show you something, the love that God has for his people in this, even in this if you go to Luke chapter 21, verse 20, the Lord gives a little bit more specific information about what was going to happen on that day. He warned Peter and them that were listening about what would happen in the future to the city of Jerusalem and to Judea and the temple. He said, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near hear what i'm saying he said when you see the army surround the city of jerusalem you know it's getting ready to be destroyed so i'm warning you because i love you and i don't want you to get caught in this my church when you see this it is a time for you to run to get out of the city and go amen just go and don't turn back and so here's the history on this, about this. <clears throat> the city was sieged in uh, 70 AD and the temple, but in 66 AD, the Roman governor of Syria, Cestius Gallops, brought the 12th Legion army to quell the uprising of Judea as they were heading to the city of Jerusalem. So here you have this Roman governor with his legion or his Roman army, amen, and they were going there to stop this, uh, to take over the city and all that. But for some reason, when they got there and they started seizing the city, they stopped and they left. They had the city surrounded, ready to take over it. And for some reason, he pulls away, him and his army, and they leave. The believers remember what the Lord told them, that when you see the army surround the city of Jerusalem. You know that its desolate is near. This was the point that all the believers in Christ that were in the city of Jerusalem took off. The Lord warned them and got them out of danger. Okay, the next, the next Roman governor that came was Vespian, and he came to do the siege of Jerusalem but left also. He left his son Titus behind to finish the job, and we know that that's what happened. They went in there. They finally besieged the city. They were able to take over it. There was a rumor going around that there was gold in the mortar between the bricks, the structure of the temple. So the Roman soldiers started tearing it apart because they were looking for gold. And little did they know that they were fulfilling prophecy that the Lord said 37 years earlier on that mount with his disciples. 
That is the God that we serve. That he will show us things to come. And he did it for them and many were able to get out. Not one Christian was killed during that siege. That siege was so bad, it didn't happen overnight. It took a couple of years to to finally breach into the doors and all, and to get into the inner city walls of Jerusalem. But what was going on in between was so graphic and just so horrible. People were just in chaos within the city. And what this, what this symbolizes that the majority of the people, or all of them that was left, have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And now judgment has come upon this city because of that rejection and plus all that those that were of the religious sect have martyred of the, of the prophets and all those from Abel all the way to the, to the, to the priest Zechariah between the porch and the altar. That's what the Lord was speaking about the chapter prior, 23rd chapter of Matthew. Remember, he was rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes and calling what they were. And at the end, he said, oh, Jerusalem, I tried to gather you as a hen with its chicks. He goes, but I have left you desolate and you shall see my face no more until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. When the Lord walked out of that temple, it symbolized something that already happened in the Old Testament. Remember, the glory of the Lord was in the temple of that day, in Ezekiel's day, remember? And the glory pulled up and took off. And remember, they called it Ichabod. The glory of the Lord has departed from this temple. And it's the same thing with Jesus Christ being that glory, the incarnate Son of God who walked away from that temple. It's phenomenal how the Lord can do things in the Old Testament and repeat them in the New Testament, and yet it's going to get repeated again in the future, which we will see. So this is just some of the history of how the Lord warned his disciples on that day, and it came to pass. He gave them so much warning with that. He said, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart. And let not those who are out of the, in the country enter it. For these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. So they were spared because they obeyed the Lord's command and his warning. Praise God for that. Thank you, Jesus. That he's merciful and he cares for his church. Hallelujah. Verse 3 goes like this is Matthew 24. He said, And as he sat on the Mount Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these, these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They asked him three specific questions because they were interested of what the Lord had to say. Now these next <clears throat> three verses, I really want to relate them to now, right at this moment we're at, in this last time that we're, in this last days that we are at. It also symbolizes the things that he was warning the Jews that they would go through. But we know, what have we learned about mankind? That history repeats itself over and over and over again. 
So we can relate these scriptures to right now as we see. And Jesus answered him and said, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. Have we not seen that demonstrated many times? Those that even profess to be Jesus, you know, the nut jobs that they are saying that they were the incarnate Jesus and this and that. And people believed that. They fell for it because they didn't know what the word said. They didn't understand the deception that could come, that people could be led astray when they don't understand the word of God. It also could mean not just someone saying that they are Jesus Christ, but they are a representative of Jesus Christ. Let's say, for instance, the cult Mormonism, right? They use the word Jesus Christ and the Latter-day Saints. This is deception. Do we remember, excuse me, was in 1993 with David Koresh in Waco, Texas. He proclaimed himself to be Jesus Christ. He was able to form his own cult. He was able to brainwash them. He was the one that's handling the word of God. And whatever he said, they believed him. And we see the end results of what happened to him. So we see that in history, it's been repeated. The Lord has warned us. That there would be men that would come in his name or represent him trying to say that they are the Christ or his representative. So we have to heed that warning even now. You know, there's a man in Australia that's professing that he's Jesus Christ and that his wife is Mary Magdalene. I seen the interview last year. He literally says that he believes that he is Jesus Christ and his wife is Mary Magdalene. And people believe him. The deception. Think about I'm glad that the Lord has given us grace and our eyes are open and that we have the word of God, the Holy Spirit to help us to not be deceived. But why else would the Lord say this? There's something else that we have to remember. There is one that is coming that's going to say, I am the Christ. And this is the Antichrist. And whenever he appears, he's going to appear. But that'll be the greatest deception of all time the greatest deceiver, the devil himself. So you see how much the Lord loves us and what he shows us and how he's warning us. And we need to take these warnings seriously. Okay, Lord, help me not to be led astray. Help me not to be deceived. And so let's go with verse 6. And we know this. He said, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. He said, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Wars and rumors of wars have been going on for the ages. Ever since man has been on this planet. Do you remember what it said about what the Lord when he was born that the gates of um, Mars were closed. That was the the military base of the Roman um, army. They were closed at that time because there was peace. When the Lord was born all the way to his ascension, there was peace throughout the Roman world. But after he left to glory, 
Well, it's business as usual, amen? The war started breaking now, but this symbolizes his title, remember? One of his titles in Isaiah is the Prince of Peace. And praise God for that. And so those gates were, were closed during Christ's lifetime on this earth, fully man and fully God. And so we've looked over the ages of what wars have done to civilizations and from one person to another, the devastation of the heartbreak and all that is involved with it. And even now, if we look, the stuff that we have now, we literally can annihilate this whole planet so many times over. I thank God for what Second Thessalonians said in the second chapter, that it is the restrainer that holds back those things that are happening. It's God's grace that holds it back before it's, it comes to pass. When he says it's time to come to pass, then it'll come to pass. But I thank God for the restraining power of God that he holds back. And we've seen many wars. In the 20th century, it got even more bizarre. We've seen the invention of the machine gun and what it did to brave warriors that didn't know how else to fight but to charge and just died instantly. There was no match between a machine gun and, and spears and knife. And then we've seen in World War I what happened when they were using the, remember the gas and all the different kind of gases that they were using against each other and killing each other. And then they started having the tanks and then planes and, and then missiles and then bombs and it just keeps getting worse and worse as man is getting more sophisticated. He figures out more ways how to kill one another. That's how it is. Wars and rumors of wars. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And that's been ongoing because one man thinks he's better than the other. Now, let me say something right now as I continue in this for a little bit more. There have been righteous wars that have been fought the right way. Amen. Uh, For instance, this nation was fought for the independence, right? That was a righteous war. But other wars uh, were not so, and they have tainted many nations because they were not for the right reasons. They were for other reasons why. So we would call those unjustified wars. He said, there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. In the book of Acts, it was talking about the prophet Agabus. Remember him? And he said that the Lord showed him that there was coming a great famine throughout the Roman Empire. And so the Bible says in the book of Acts that every disciple did according to they could to help people and prepare for that famine. It reminds me of the famine. Remember when Joseph was the second earning Pharaoh? Remember the, the, the seven healthy years and the seven years of the seven years of plenty, the seven years of famine. And we have seen famine over and over and over and over throughout the history of mankind. We see it even now in certain parts of Africa. There's still famine. We see it in other parts of the world like in India and places where they're impoverished and they they just don't have what it takes. Not they don't take, but the technology or the resources to, to grow their own food and all that. And famine comes, Why? Usually because it's wars. First it's wars and then famines and pestilence come right afterwards. 
And so we can relate. Um, while the King James uses the word pestilence, it's not here in the ESV, so I'll say it anyways. We can relate, relate to the pestilence of what we've been dealing with since last year. They've considered that that, and there's you know there's both sides of taking sides on this whole issue with the jab and all that. But it has been cons- considered a plague, and so these things will continue. And we know that there's been earthquakes since the beginning of time, and we know that it continues even to this day. And we know that we believe that these things will intensify as the coming of the Lord draws nearer for us. Like I said in Romans chapter 8, it says that the, the whole creation groaneth after its maker because even the creation knows that what mankind has done because of the power of sin, that even they want deliverance. Now that's, that's something I can't even fathom. But that's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, that even this earth is screaming out for its creator. And so... Uh, even in that being said, we know <laughs> what they call it climate change and global warming and all these things. And Okay. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, there are some things that we are doing that are not right, like, you know, putting oil, leftover oil in the river streams or whatever and polluting the water or polluting the land. You know, that's not good, but those things happen. Hallelujah. Verse 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. (laughs) To all nations, and then. It says the whole world is a testimony to all nations. And so this is where we're at now. We're going to come up more, speed more up to where we're at right now that we have the technology to do this now. We're able to reach a lot more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ like never before. Sometimes I wonder, I should have probably looked on the statistics of the percentage of how many people on the world own a cell phone in itself. I just love that the Lord puts the gospel in here, even in all that's going on, His warnings. That it's the gospel that's going to save people. Whether famine or wars or whatever's coming, the gospel will continue to work through mankind until that last day. That is God's heart to save people. It breaks his heart to see these things and have to warn the world to show them the power of sin and what is coming. It breaks his heart. When an individual rejects his son and then ends up after dying going to the gates of hell. Permanently, eternally damned. So let's go back to Daniel. We'll tie it all together. We'll say it again. Verse 4, Daniel chapter 12 verse 4 says this. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Daniel was told at that time, that's it. You've written as much as we told you to write. Now put it to the side. Go to your lot. You're you're going to your grave, and this will come in the end times, Daniel. Daniel's heart was for his people, the Jews, right? 
they were in captivity, and he was really wondering what was going to happen to the future of his people. And so the Lord gave him some glimpse of what he would do and that they would be still there at the end time. Amen. And so verse 4 says, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And this is where I want to focus on to really. Many shall run to and fro. And we know, basically, I'm going to go ahead and use this, this part of the first scripture to show you the technology that we have now as far as what we can do to and fro, right? We can go anywhere in this world on an airplane. We can go on a boat. We can go on our cars to... You know, from one part of uh, one, one coast of America to the other coast, coast to coast. We can do these things. Amen. Technology has, has been able to do that for us to, to make a lot of things comfortable. And so let's deal with knowledge now. And knowledge shall increase. So this is a two-part. Amen. Knowledge here in Daniel is twofold. And the first knowledge that I want to deal with here deals with the knowledge that God has given man for technology to make different experiments and different advancements and different stuff, inventions. And specifically, we know at the beginning and the dawning of the 20th century, we had the Industrial Revolution where man was able to make multiple products through the industry at the beginning of the 20th century. An advancement in inventions and technology technology greatly helped mankind through medical, industrial, transportation, and communication. The discovery of effective medicine, the polio shot, and measles, and mumps, the x-ray, and ultrasound, and MRIs. Do you see the difference between the 20th century this way and the 20th century that way? Man has lived the same way for thousands of years, but we get to this point. What the Bible said, what Daniel heard with his own eyes, that knowledge should increase. And it has. Look where we're at. Let me tell you a little funny study real quick. You know, you got your little smart me, uh, smart thermostats? Anyone got one? <laughs> well, in Texas, they really know about this, but they got them, and... The electrical company there, I forgot which one, said, you know, we can help you with, I don't know if it was a discount or a rebate or whatever. So they said, hey, I want to sign on. I want to save some money. Well, they didn't read the fine print that when they had a high use of, of electricity, that they could go in there and, and turn down and turn up their, adjust their thermostat to save energy. So some of these folks are coming home from work and then get in the house. Like, why does it feel kind of warm? And they're like, well, who's been tampering with my thermostat? That's the technology that we have now. Can I tell you that as far as, far as privacy in our life, that's, that's pretty much gone. Your phone can record anything that you're saying. You're tracked by it. It's a globally-minded society that we have that this world has increasingly got smaller and is getting smaller by the day. So that's what was told Daniel on that part. All these amazing things that have happened. Mass production of cars. What was it? Was it the T model, the Ford, remember? That came out and all the different kind of cars and then boats. 
trains have been around for a while, but then they started really making them good. And planes, remember the Wright brothers, the first plane? And still, remember the telegraph? And then it went from the telegraph to the telephone. Now we have communication that is connecting people to be able to talk to one another. And then it it continues later on. We have the computer, which really changed a lot of things. I remember as a kid, I would was fascinated with Star Trek when they pull out their little mirror, little walkie-talkie, and they were talking. I go, that'd be cool, man, that we could talk like that. Now we have iPhone with FaceTime, able to do the same thing. It just blows my mind away when I think about the things when I was a kid and how they are now and how far man is coming through uh, technology. And the, the big one was the Internet. The internet was another game changer for humanity. You can fact check what I'm saying right now as I'm preaching. You go, okay, that's what you said. Serious. What, you know, <laughs> we can basically fact check a lot of things with the technology that we have. Remember the telescopes. They were able to start looking at the stars and the moon and all these things. And then the invention of the satellite. Man was able to put something in the air and the orbit of, between space and Earth's atmosphere, and was able to take pictures of, the, of this world, amen, and was able to do all these things. And then the invention of the rockets, and we know that Germany was heavily involved in that kind of a technology. And then the big one, man goes to the moon. That's the big one. Those were big at one time, but now you got someone like Elon Musk, And he has his low-orbit satellites that he's putting up up there. You know that that he has enough power and money to borrow NASA's launching pad to do these things. This is unheard of back 20, 30 years ago. But the technology is advancing quickly. And that's what was said in the book of Daniel, that knowledge shall increase. And we are there. We have seen so much happen in the last hundred years. It's phenomenal. We've seen all the inventions that have come and it's helped mankind. But one day we'll be used for the system of the Antichrist. So that's one part of the two part of knowledge. Now when he's speaking also of that, of knowledge to be increased, it's also speaking of a knowledge of the word of God. Amen. The scriptures are not really canonized all 66 books to somewhere around 300 to 400 AD. Finally had the Bible all together. But it wasn't really till 1540 when the Gutenberg press machine was invented that the Bible was, was able to start going out through all Europe. Remember the Reformation they were under darkness over the religion that had them captivated and in darkness and ignorance. And then this machine comes out and then you got William Tyndale was able to translate the Bible from the Greek into the known English language so people could read it for themselves. And then the word of God started spreading and people were able to start reading it. And here's where we get at. 
And then they started looking like into end time events. They started looking at Matthew chapter 24, what the Lord was saying. They started looking at the book of Revelation, probably blew their mind away. But they started seeing something, the prophetic, that God is going to do something in the future. He has prophesied and it shall come to pass at his timing as he wills it. With that, then we come as great men of God over the years have come out with commentaries and we have study Bibles. We have Bible versions in different languages. We have iPads. We have computers. We have all the resources that we need to study the word of God. And that's where we're at right now. We can individually go and look. Or, okay, Brother Dan, you've given me the scriptures. Now I can go home and start looking at them a little bit even deeper and see what else can I find. Hallelujah. But one of the greatest signs in end times, and I love this part. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Remember, we spoke about the temple being destroyed, that Jesus prophesied about that. And it came to pass in 70 AD. You know, over a million Jews were killed within the walls of Jerusalem. And what was remaining, they sold them as slaves and they scattered them to the four corners of the earth. And so the Jews have been kind of like nomads. It doesn't mean that there was never any Jews in the land. There was some all that time, but not as a nation. Amen. And so they were scattered all over in different nations and all that. And can you imagine the miracle of God and his promises and his purposes that he promised that he would bring them back into their land? We have to understand this is a miracle from God. How is a group of people scattered all over the earth be able to keep on, keep their identity, their traditions, and their language? Only God can do that. Hallelujah. And so we know that the birth of Israel as a nation was in 1948 when the United Nations recognized Israel as a nation and gave her 5,000 square miles of territory. This is phenomenal. Over 2,000 years, they were able, by God's grace, to preserve their language, their traditions, and all that the Lord promised them and brought them into their own land Today, Israel has 8,367 square miles and is a little bigger than the state of New Jersey, which has 7,419 square miles. That's how small it is. But it is the most piece of property that's controversial throughout the history of mankind. It's Jerusalem, praise God. And so you remember the Six-Day War in 1967. I was born that year, so I don't, I don't know it. <laughs> Where Israel, by, God, by the hand of God, was able to defeat, I think it was uh, the Egyptians, the Jordanians, and one more other group. I don't know if it was the Syrians, I think. And there was a moment on June 7, 1967, that the paratroopers were able to go to the mount, to the temple mount, 
And the commander said, we have the ground of the temple. And they were able to raise up the Israeli flag for a second and bring it right back down. Can you imagine how the church was excited at that moment, knowing that Israel has recaptured Jerusalem? This is phenomenal. Israel is like the, 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 prophetic, the uh, prophetic time clock for us to see things as they come to pass. And so they are a nation, and I think they just celebrated their 73rd year, if I'm right, somewhere around there, 70-something. And so... You know, 70 to me, 70 to 80 years is a a generation in the Bible. (laughs) Amen. So, whoo, that's good. And so Israel is definitely something that we can look at and tell the world, tell me there isn't a God in heaven if he was able to preserve them over 2,000 years and bring them back into their own land. That's phenomenal. Thank you, Jesus. And there's so much more that can be said about these things. But I also want to remember how the Lord warned us. Matthew chapter 24, verse 44 says this, Therefore you also must be ready, but the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Amen. You do not expect. We don't know when he's coming. I've seen so many doctrines about how he's coming and the timing. I just know that he's coming. And I believe that with all my heart. And, and I know that you do too. And I know that we get, I said earlier, that we get busy with life, with family, paying bills. But we have to remember that this is not always going to be this way for us. There's coming a day when the Lord's coming for us. Amen. Amen. And I can't wait for that day. And whether it's in my generation or the following one, he's still coming. Because if he doesn't come for me, by God's grace, I'm going to the grave for the grave. Going to but he's coming. Hallelujah. remember that on a hard day just things do look impossible just know he's coming hallelujah he's coming we have a hope different than what the world hopes for our hope is in Christ Jesus the blessed hope the one that already came and saved us but this time he's coming to bring us and deliver us ultimately from this world system until he renovates and does what he has to to this world and it sets up his earthly kingdom. But he's coming, and we need to say that every now and then. We have to remember that the Lord is coming for his church one day. He's coming. Hallelujah. I'm going to share a dream that I had when I was like 10, 11 years old. This is prior to me being indoctrinated, any doctrine, even in the church that I was raised in. I remember reading uh, Chick Publications. Remember the little comic books they had, Chick Publications? Have you ever read them? They're pretty neat. They had one on the mark of the beast. So I read it. And just a 10-year-old kid that's in love with Jesus, you know, and just believe him for whatever. And the Lord gave me a dream, and I know it was him. You see, when he gives a child something like that, children are innocent, and he gives them dreams and visions. 
I remember I was sitting in front of my mom's house on the porch. And she had one of those old, you know, the porch was just cement and then, you know, a couple of four by fours holding up the front porch and all that. And I remember sitting down, I had my hand on my, my hand underneath my chin, my elbow on my, the lap of my leg. And I remember seeing that the sun was getting ready to go down. And I was just kind of just looking this way. And then all of a sudden, everything lit up. Everything. I remember just kind of looking down at the grass and I seen my skin lit up, the grass, everything, just this light just lit everything up. And I looked up to the sky and it was like a piece of pie, you know, like a quarter of it. And I seen someone sitting in a throne with the king's crown. And he, I was just a kid. I didn't understand what he had in his right hand. And he had a Band of angels with him. And this is this is this this dream is just blew my mind. And they started coming for folks, and they started bringing them back. And I'm like, this is awesome. I go, Lord, he come for us, and they disappeared. And I'm still there. And I'm like, oh no, what's gonna happen to me? So we lived at the edge of town, and there were some orange groves of fields. And I remember getting up. I took off running. I was scared of my life. Oh, my Lord, I'd been left behind. And I'm running through that orange field, and I'm running. Then all of a sudden, I just ran into someone. And when I ran into him, I looked at the feet, and I seen sandals. Then I started looking up to the upper body, and I seen this white robe. I've, nothing so clear in my life or bright. And then he had, like, this golden girdle around his waist. And when I looked up, it was the Lord. And so I reached out to the grab and he hugged me and I started crying. Then I woke up. And so that dream has always affected me. You know, I got hugged with end time events after that. I said, man, Lord is coming. Hallelujah. He loves you. He loves me. Amen. The groom is coming for his bride one day to be permanently with her forever and ever, will be joined together with him, the bride of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your promises of your word, that they are yes and amen. We don't have to doubt him and say, well, is he going to come? Is it true? No, he's coming. I just encourage you to remember that. The Lord is coming one day, maybe sooner than we think. As we see a lot of things that are going on in this world, we're not into predicting times. Even Jesus said, not even the angels, not man or any man or the angels, but only my Father in heaven knows the appointed time. And the reason the Lord was able to say that, and the reason he didn't know at this moment, because of the position that he was at, that he was on this earth, amen, depending upon the Holy Spirit and ministry, being fully man and fully God, but not using his God powers. But I'm sure now that he's with the Father in his ascension, he knows that time. And he waits for the Father to say that. Amen. Be in good courage. The Lord loves us and he's coming. <laughs> he's coming. It should do something. It should make our heart beat. You know, Like my wife, you know, my heart, we're, we're dating. I mean, <laughs> when I'd see her, my heart would just jump, you know. He'd jump. That's how the Lord is towards us. He looks at his father win. You know, father win. But I believe that it has to do more souls being saved. 
and brought into the kingdom. Amen. Let's all stand. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you for this night. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your promises, Lord. Lord, we desire you. We crave you, Lord. Whenever that appointed time, whether we go in this grave or you come for us, we shall see you for who you are. We will see him that was hung on that cross was pierced for our iniquities and our sins and delivered us from the power of sin and from powers of darkness and even delivered us from ourselves to have eternal life with him. We will behold his glory. We will see his beauty. We will see him for who he is. We can't wait for that day, Lord. We will see those that have went before us, our loved ones, those that have gone before us that were saved by your precious blood. There will be a great family gathering at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will never be separated again. So help us, Father, this hour. Help us to continue in the faith knowing that you will send your son at the appointed time one day unexpectedly. Help us to be soul winners. Help us to pray for our families, for our children. Help us to pray for those, any of them, that do not have a relationship with you, Lord. Help us to live for you, Lord, to glorify you. Just thank you for all that, Lord. Thank you for your promises, Lord. You're coming for us, and we're so thankful for that. In Jesus' name, church says, amen. Hallelujah.